0: And I said at the time, I was quoting the press and it's a bit, it sounds a bit twee, but it was like, it was like going to a funeral, it was like a death in the family to an extent, you know, it just, you know, it was like something was getting taken away from you, you weren't going to be able to get back and it, it, it just was, you know, I think there was, there was a, there was a tear shedding
1: Welcome to the Inverness Football Memories podcast hosted by Highland Football Weekly with me Ian Ald. On this week's podcast a man who epitomised Inverness Thistle, you could call him Mr Kings Mills. He played more than 900 games over a 22 year spell with the club. Widely regarded as one of the club's all-time great players, Davy Milroy joins us now. Davey, first of all, great to have you on the podcast. How are you? Fine, Ian, thanks. Yeah, all good. I was interested to get your take on this straight away because very interestingly, before the start of the season, Cali Thistle have released an away kit, which I'm mm-hmm. hoping, well, I'm assuming that you'll like, given the fact it's based on Inverness Thistle colours. It's a very yeah. eye-catching uh, second kit, red and black stripes. I'm assuming it got the thumbs up from yourself, Davey.
0: Yeah, well, I, I knew it was coming in, and I'll be honest. You know, I, it was not. I, I don't think the word "consulted" quite right, but uh, you know, it was mentioned to me, and I was shown early sort of suggestions that had gone forward. So I'm absolutely delighted that uh, you know, after all this time that we've got around to, we've got round to you know recognizing the, you know, the fact that there was two teams involved in the merger, and as much as. You know, as far as the strip, because I think a lot of complaints over the years has been the lack of red or the lack of black in the in the first team strip and the second second team strip or the chain strip has been a variety of colours rather than red and black. So I think generally it's been pretty well welcomed around the city as well. You know, I think I understand that over the first couple of days the the strips are flying off the shelves down in the. the club shop and hopefully that'll continue and you know if nothing else it looks very smart anybody you see out and about in it you know and for folk of my age and that the stripes make it slimming in as well you know so
1: (laughs) (laughs) it makes everybody
0: look a bit fitter than they are
1: well yeah Liz, I was going to say it's not just about age as well it's about size I I might uh, purchase one (laughs) myself if it makes you look thin but yeah I mean it's going to be a story that we're going to feature on not just in this episode but in, in many others. Obviously the merger was a pivotal moment, if you like, in the history of, of football in Inverness. And I'm no doubt we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, but yeah, you're you're right in what you're saying. It's not only uh, you know a, a nod to Inverness thistle, but you know it's a really, really cracking kit as well. Davy, part of this project is really to to focus on on memories, and not just your own memories, but no doubt, you know, the stuff that you will talk about today will reignite memories of of perhaps people who, who saw you play, attended games. It'll trigger memories for everyone and get people talking about, about football, which is fantastic. Take us back then, Davey. Um, Inverness, born and bred, you grew up in Hilton, is that right?
0: Yeah, grew up in
1: Hilton. I
0: was a Shore Street boy until about the age of three, and my parents then moved up to Caldeon Road and Hilton. Um, and it was a, a hotbed of football in Inverness at that time. There was a large number of boys that went on to play in the Highland League, came out of the, you know, the more the old Hilton, not the Hilton as we know it now, with the newer bits, but just in the fairly the, the smaller enclave, if you want, of, of old Hilton, which was sort of bordered by Hilton Avenue and ran up to Colden Road.
1: In terms of, uh, growing up then was was football a big part of your um your younger days you know in terms of I mean personally I'm, I'm based in Culloden and it's fantastic you know I've got Culloden pitches you know a five minute walk and I love you know my son goes down there and, and knocks the ball about on a regular basis but it's great to see kids likewise doing that I mean growing up then was was football a big part of your life as a kid?
0: Well, very much so. You know, my father used to tell the story, but when he used to take me over to the bath park when we were still in Shore Street, that I was more interested in picking up the daisies and kicking a ball, I think. But when we moved to Holt, and we we moved to Calder to begin with, and in the middle of the park, of New, we were in was was what we called the island, which was a grassy area, uh, probably about you know forty yards long by twenty yards across. And we managed to get, you know, 10, 12 aside games going on in the middle of that, you know, at all times of days and nights. In fact, it came to the point where the council, at some point, when the you know, some clever councillor had the idea to sort of ban kids playing in these grass areas in the middle of the states, and they stuck a big sign up in the middle of it saying no ball games allowed. Now I was out one Sunday night very late on. Playing under the the streetlights, three or four of us and I managed to run into the no games allowed sign and ended up with a bang in my forehead that was about the size of a tennis ball uh, and a couple of black eyes to go with it. So that was that was the, the start of me getting knocks in the head. I think Ian started there. But when we left, we, we left, called the and went Mount Dear Avenue opposite Holton School. When uh, you know I was still I think going on to primary six, mm-hmm. uh, and that was too good a chance to miss because at that time, the fences to school playgrounds weren't that tall. People could jump over them. In fact, the gates were usually left open. There was goalposts there and we spent many a happy hour. Most of the school holidays were spent playing in the the school field with with footballs. In fact, at one point, Hilton Primary School on a Sunday afternoon, there was sort of 11, 12 aside side games going on and I would have reckoned that of the majority, I was probably about the youngest one there at the time. But the majority of the guys that were playing in that were playing in Highland League the previous day. There was, you know, boys, Dennis Locker, uh, Ian Macleod that that played for the Clough that stayed close to it. Uh, Dennis Bell that played for the Clough and played for the Cali. Loads of guys, Robbie Smart that wanted to play for Thistle in Nairn County. Loads of guys. I was kind of the baby amongst it all, but it was. Pretty competitive stuff as well. So it was uh, a hard upbringing. (laughs) uh...
1: Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, a good grounding, I suppose, uh, if you like as well. I mean, like I say, you know, uh, you don't see enough of kids, you know. uh, I mean, when I I remember growing up, obviously in a different city, right enough, but, uh, you know, it was like a, it was almost like every area or every street had their own little kind of mm. team, you know, team that you would you would take on each other's streets and and you know and j- just play football, I suppose. That's when it, when you break it down. Well
0: well that's what happened. There was a, a couple from Lahardo who, you know, some of the older listeners will remember was, you know, Alec and Maria Urkirk, who set up what was known as the Street League in Inverness. And that's what it was. It was it was boys from localities made up teams, teams from Dalney, from Lahardo, from the Merkinch. From Crown, and it was it was competitive as well, and you know, and and it was the but the boys really ran the teams themselves, or had um, you know parents that that macked in and did it, and used to play twice a week at twice a week at the Bathing pitches down there, and you know it was great, and you know things like that don't don't exist to the same extent now. I know there are you know sort of various sort of I suppose organisations operating at the moment. My grandson goes to Milton training and plays for them. And, you know, there's, I know that the, the Fraser brothers do a lot of work at Boulogne and there's, uh, you know, other, other places where there's, there's work goes on. At, I know in the school in Drake is here, there's there's things going on. But the schools themselves aren't, you know, they, they associate with it, but they don't actually organise it. it. comes down to the parents and the local people to get it going. So it's it's getting
1: healthier, so that's good to see, I think. Talking of schools, um, I'm assuming that you know you're you're heavily involved in, in playing football out with you know in summer holidays etc. But in terms of uh, football, school level, heavily involved. I'm assuming it was Hilton Primary School you attended.
0: Hilton Primary School I attended. I played in I played in the first eleven from primary five on. Again, I was the youngest one in it. And funnily enough, I ended up playing centre half then. Uh, prime, probably because nobody else would play there. Uh, so ended ended up playing centre half then with a, a a great kit that was yellow and black quarters and you know it was like a rugby strip you know so uh, so with three years playing in the team there and again there was a primary school league that went on on Saturday mornings over at the back the high school played a second a first year second eleven in that in that league but the rest of it was me every primary school in the city at that time was represented you know so it was
1: you know it was good and I think maybe locks, you know, we lack things like that now. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I can only talk from personal experience in, in terms of primary school football. My, my own, my, my son's just going into primary four. And it, I mean, I know that there are primary school leagues at six and sevens, uh, and it's more like a kind of football festival feel that they have for mm-hmm, younger mm-hmm. groups right, right enough. But at the same time, growing up, I was always aware of you know, a, a league, if you like, of, of primary schools, and you always competed against. Mm-hmm. There was always a few primary schools who had the better players and always won things. In terms of your own experience and and primary school, who were the teams then that you know that the you they were, you were out to beat? Who were the good teams?
0: It, it seemed to go in
1: cycles. Your know, crown school,
0: crown school, were always strong. Merkens could be strong. Central, in our time, I think went from. Fairly weak, and then when you know, boys like Billy Urquhart and that were playing within the team, Jeff McDonald, who were schoolmates of mine in the academy, they you know, they had a better team, they had a stronger team then. So, that you know, that's where you know, they were mostly in Hilton were kind of there. Certainly, when I was playing the team in primary five, we weren't as strong, but by the time I got to primary seven, it was stronger then. You know, we'd some decent players played at my age.
1: And I think the thing with Inverness as well. I mean, Inverness is obviously growing by the minute. But back then, I'm, I'm not saying it's it's a, it was it was small by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, in terms of you knew, I'm assuming you came up against guys that you would come up against and and even indeed play with, as you mentioned, a couple of guys there and years mm-hmm. to come as well. So there was that. You're almost aware of who the good players were from an early age.
0: Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's that's exactly true. You know, the, the reputations go about. You know, f- you know, in the sort of the two, three years before me, the two the two best players in Inverness and at primary school level, their names, their names sort of rattled about. were Alistair Titchy Black, who was in Central, and a certain Gordon Fife, who was in Crown, okay. used to get the reputation of being a good player. Yeah. You know? But uh, you know things like that, well, and and you did. Word got about, and and you know you did. You the street league. You so you came across these guys in a, you know on a fairly regular basis, uh, and then by the time you went to you know secondary school, when it was still, I went to the academy before it was, you know, sort of localized in as much as it was, you know, it was you were streamed into the schools, and um, so you know you're always interested or you were interested going into the academy in the first year to find out which other of the boys you'd come across were going to be in school at the same time or be in your same year. And potentially competing against you for a game in the school first, You know, the, the school age group team, whatever that would be at that time. Yeah.
1: Football's an obsession of, of many people, um, including mine, and I'm assuming... You know, it sounds like you were involved from football for a very early age, and 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 got the bug quite early on. In terms of playing football, some people just prefer to play it and and don't, mm-hmm. you know, get involved in and in, and watching it so much. They'd rather play it. But what about yourself? Who who were your kind of uh, early footballing idols that you um you, you looked upon?
0: It, suddenly enough, it
1: tended to be at a higher,
0: you know, it, it tended to be at Scottish level rather than at local level.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: I'm a Ranger's money and <laughs> so, sorry, I wasn't so, right against you. Yeah, you know, and it was it was always around that. You know, the pictures I had on my wall were of Colin Steen and Willie Johnston and, and players like that, you know, and that was it. You, you used to see boys in the street, you know, players in the street, highly guys in the street, you know, and speak to them in the way of passing. And it didn't seem such a big deal then, you know, with Inverness being fairly small, you know, you, you sort of got to so you didn't really hold these guys. To the same extent as you did, the the, pl- the
1: sort of guys that are playing at a more senior level. And of course, we'll go on to talk about it's quite interesting. You mentioned the, the Rangers connection there because there's a couple of meetings with Celtic, which we'll go on to talk about uh, l- later on. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, you mentioned, there obviously um, you know you you were a Rangers supporter and idolised you know Rangers players growing up. In terms of the the football in Inverness, I mean, were, were you a uh, an attempt at it, you know, Kings Mills, Telford Street, Clark Park, for example? Yeah, we went to games. I went to games with my dad fairly regularly, you know, and it, it,
0: it was a large extent it depended on what game was on in the time, you know. And my father was a Thistle supporter, very much a Thistle supporter, you know, so yeah, I didn't have much choice as to where I was going at that time, you know, but I, I went to games at Cali Park, I went to games at Clark Park, so, and we tended to go, the boys from and were, you know, there was maybe about half a dozen of us who'd you know, funnily enough, it wasn't very often there. There seemed to be two games in the town in the same in the same day. You ended up, you, know, you ended up having maybe not much of a choice to go. There would be one game on, and we would go. But it would either be it would either be Kingsmoor or Tailfer Street more often. Although you know, we did we did go down to class Park
1: on occasion. Yeah, and that's that again. I remember my my granddad telling me that he used to you Know, have he would he would go? He was obviously supported one half of the city, but he would always go and follow the other. The other, you know, it Mm -hmm. it baffles me. And I would I wouldn't dream of of going to see my my rival team play, but but I I suppose back then, I mean, you know, it's just an opportunity to go and watch a game of football. Which when you boil it down, it doesn't seem such a mad idea, does it? No, well, that's
0: that's right, I think, you know, and it's much when you know, when you're a you know, a boy, but you know, we were going from when we were maybe you know 11 12, 13, we were going to games yourself and you know your parents trusted you to do it, you know. You'd it, well you could walk to the thistle park from Hilton without any bother, but if you were going down to you know, we were going down to the cali Park or the Cloth Park, you jump on the bus and get you know most of the way down and then just walk the rest of the way over. And it was like a day, it was a day out for you. It was a wee bit of a social thing as well, and you did it as a group and you know, I don't know if these things sort of happen so much now. Part of that is maybe down to the location of the ground to some extent, but yeah. you don't often see younger kids going. You know, if that age group going by themselves or going in groups now, and I don't know, unless they go on an organised trip through. You know, the, you know, I know the club put out you know tickets to primary schools on occasions, and these these kids all go down in, in groups usually. You know, but it's it's. Uh, I think the way that people go to games has has changed. And, from my time
1: kind of you know of going to watch to speak to you what are your your memories then of of going along to follow you mentioned that your your father was a, a big Inverness thistle fan that's probably where you spent most of your your Saturday mm-hmm. afternoons watching football in inverness anyway what are your kind of main memories and recollections of of going along to watch football um no, so we, we used to go, you know,
0: we used to go, we'd, you know, we would jump in the car and my father would jump, well, we would jump in the car and go through and watch games in other places as well, especially if it was a big game. You know, it wasn't wasn't unknown for us when Elgin City were going well on the Scottish Cup at the time. It wasn't unknown for us to jump in the car and go around, go through there. And, you know, I, I was at the game, we were at the game when uh, Elgin beat our broth, in, what was that, 1968. And then, you know, went on to meet Martin in the in the. Quarter final, the Scottish Cup, so you know a big crowd at Burrow Briggs that day about eleven thousand. So you know there's things like that, but even it was standing in the terracing, and it was it, it was the crap as much as anything else. I think was quite often the thing. It's a lot of the games. I can't think of that many games that sort of stick in, stick in my mind that much. You know that one of the ones I do remember is just after I signed S forms for Thistle. So, Been on the terrace and when Cali beat Thistle 4-3 in a Scottish cap tie at Thistle Park. And there was a big hoo-ha about whether a a Thistle goal at one point had actually crossed the line. And Kenny McKenzie, the Cali goalkeeper, I think admitted in the press afterwards that although he had got the ball out, he managed, he, in his view, had crossed the line as well, which would have... You know, I think put Thistle 3-1 up at that point or something and whether Cali would have come back. But you know that was a game that started, out there. And that's probably the one game that really sticks in my mind.
1: You mentioned obviously there that you sign for inverness Thistle and you do indeed go on to, well, to, to make over 900 appearances for the club. But it starts in early 70s. Uh, you make your debut against uh, Lossiemouth in a home match. Obviously a, a massive moment for you. Uh, making your debut for, for the club that you grew up supporting and mm. um, and were very much associated with. And also you mentioned the family connection and we had, had as well. But I believe it was a pretty hectic day for you.
0: Yeah, I played for the school in the morning. Uh, now, Eddie Hatchin was our... Th- that was in charge of football. He was a, a great teacher, Eddie, an English teacher at the academy and an absolute gentleman. And Eddie had played Highland League as well for Rothfuss and Lossie and although he was from Elgin. But... Um, Murd Urquhart was managing Thistle at the time because Willie Grant was unwell, and Murd or somebody from the club had been in touch with Eddie during the week to say the intention was to give me my debut on the Saturday, um, and we were still, school were still going well in the school's league at the time as well. So Eddie says, "Well, what if you know I start and then we take them off, if the game's going so if, if the game's going very much in our favour, so that's uh, so that's what happened. So I played." Played in the morning against Nairn Academy, scored twice, was taken off at half-time, uh, then went to Thistle Park and were on with half an hour to go. Jogs were up 4-0 against Lossie. Uh, very nervous. In fact, Sandy Cuthbert, who played quite a number of games for Jags and went to you know, for us after that, Sandy was sitting beside me on the bench and the days of one sub, and it was before dugouts as well, it was an old wooden bench in front of stand the Jags part, and I couldn't get my tracksuit bottoms off, I was that nervous. So Sandy had to take my tracksuit bottoms off for me. So on I went and uh, I was lucky enough to score twice in the last half hour. Um, they were both screamers as well, you know, that match I remember the first one, and Brian McKay was playing in goals, Brian and Inverness Lab playing in goals for Lossie. I think my first touch of the ball, a tremendous save to keep it out of the top corner and then about five minutes later uh, I pulled one ball down and hit in the half volley, and it screamed. It screamed into the roof of the net. It's not many screamers I hit, and they usually trundled over the line. <laughs> in the, this one. And the second one, I played a one-two with Ian Stephen and finished it from the edge of the box. So that was a, But my day, for, my day wasn't done at that point. Was had to go home and deliver the Football Times for Dodo Finlay the shop and the post office and Tomatin Road in Hilton as well, and I had a wee paper round for him. So I went home to deliver the Football Times. So. I was putting the paper through the door that was highlighting my performances that day, so it was a wee right. bit. It was a bit of a day and a half, can
1: you say. So, so four goals, and you still managed to. Well, I think the the, the headline for the day is Milroy delivers, uh, <laughs> whether, whether it be the paper or on the part uh, two teams, brilliant. Uh, mm. what, what an incredible story! Um, I mean, from from there, I mean that's the, the dream debut, if you like, for for Evan saw you know, it gets gets better as the years go on. You you're involved in part of a, a title winning side as well. Um, so early into your your Inverness Thistle career as well, that must have been. I know a, 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 it's a bit of a cliche, but a dream come true, if you like.
0: Yeah, well, very much so. And it, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a a sort of limp towards the flag at the end of the season because we suffered a colossal number of injuries. We had a big game against Elgin at the, at the Jags Park, and uh, I was, I was subbed that night as well. And uh, Ian Cummins had to come off with uh, you know, a bad knee injury, and I had, I was on his sub, and then Johnny Cowie broke his leg uh, in, a, in a collision with Keith Nicholl, who was a no-nonsense fullback for Elgin. Uh, so we were down to 10 men. I think we were one up when I went on. We want to win 4-1. And uh, Elgin didn't score. To, I think Jim Gerrard, who went on to play for Cali, scored with the last kick of the ball, I mean, to give them their consolation goal. But that was one that everybody thought after we'd won that game that we would go on to win the league. But the injuries took their toll. and I think I, I played quite regularly for the last you know, 10 games, I think I started most of them. But I must have played with about four or five different strike partners in that time. There were people coming in on trial from Aberdeen junior teams uh, I remember playing with Dennis Notman, who played for, went on to play quite regularly, hanging on for a couple of clubs from down east, particularly Huntley, I think. And there was one or two others. Jotty Scott's brother, Davy Scott, played a couple of games for us as well. Um we went to Fraserborough, a trialist goalkeeper. So we linked towards the end of the season and managed to um, get to the stage where I think we, uh, we ended up playing Ross County in a in a playoff match at the Cali Park, after and Cali had beaten Elgin to sort of open it up for us to play Ross County in the in the playoff, but I wasn't stripped for that one. I was the thirteenth man. I was the unlucky one. Uh, I think they just went with a wee bit more experience that night. Was it? And you know that I had to accept. You know, so I think with only a scored of thirteen that night, so I was the, I was the one that that missed out. But I just went and stood in the terracing with. With my mates anyway and just stood in with name and it was great. That was so I was lucky enough to get a medal for that as well because I played that time you had to play I think a third of the games and I did just about manage that. So I got a medal for that. So that was and that was at the age of well I would have still been just 16 at that point. So to pick up a league winner's medal at that stage is it's a best a good start to your career.
1: Yeah and it, it's again you know you, you mentioned there you, you're you know your it's your Local side, um, you're 16 years old. You're standing on the terrace with your mates, but effectively you've got a, a medal, uh, you know yeah. that'll be in your back pocket. Yeah, you know, in, in, in a couple of days' time. I mean, uh, you know that is that's that's incredible stuff as a as a as a youngster. You obviously have that, you know, have this long long association with with Inverness Thistle So, as you say, it starts off incredible. Well, uh, talk to us about the the years to come. Then, when you start to establish yourself within that. Within that side, um, because there's a there's actually a trial as well, isn't there? There's a trial at Celtic that comes up on well, the pretty soon. Yeah, at the end
0: of the, at the end of that at the end of that season, there was a couple of clubs wanted me wanted to down on trial, uh, but they would all have classed at the same at the same time. So, uh, John McDonald decided where I was going on trial, and I was going <laughs> to <at> Celtic. <laughs> I didn't really get much say in the matter. There was a rumor going around Inverness that I turned up for the first day of training at Celtic Park with my Rangers shoulder bag on, but that's not, that wasn't a true, my mother had gone and bought me another, a puma bag with this obnoxious brown colour that I think is still lying about the house here somewhere probably up in the loft, but I went in with that, so yeah I, I was a total of about five weeks down there and played in uh, you know, reserve team games and was fortunate enough playing a pre-season game at Hamden on a, on a substitute for Jimmy Johnston played the last 40 minutes of that game there uh, but at that time, I was still playing at front. I was playing as a striker or playing as a wide player. Um, and it wasn't until probably after that, that. Celtic didn't, they did, they kept an eye on me. And there was, I know a scout came up a couple of times and watched me. And Jockstein allegedly, according to Jock Jock Jockstein said to Jock that he thought I had the makings of a player, but I ran like a centre-half rather than a striker. Whether that's right or not, I don't know, but Jock used to maintain this was the case. So when, you know, at, at a season after, you know, probably a couple of years of playing up front, on and off the bench, I was still in school at the time as well. And then again, injuries sort of took their toll at the start of a season and ended up playing at left back. Ryan Darcy got hurt or suspended one or other. He it was, it was quite often suspended, just about as often as he was hurt. But um, I ended up playing left back for a spell and then ended up for a short spell at right back. And then Bully Bremner broke his ankle at Bucky about, This must have been about 1975 and 1976, I think. Uh, and I ended up playing centre-half. And from then on in, uh, that's really where I, you know, I made most of my appearances there. In fact, I think I, I played every in every shirt for Thistle between 1 and twelve. Definitely. And they ended up in goals. I was the standby goalkeeper if sending out sendings off or uh, injuries took place. I, I was a nominated one to go in goal normally. So uh, but there's another story about that will maybe save till later on.
1: Okay. Well that that's I uh, guess when you said one to twelve then I thought, oh hang on, that, that includes goalkeeper. So we'll definitely hear that. Um go, going back to your trial spell you had at Celtic, um I mean, five weeks down there. I mean, okay, you know, stepping away from Inverness for the for the time being. But I mean, um, you know, the the cat. I mean, you've mentioned Jock Steen there, of course. You know, renowned <laughs> across the footballing world, Jimmy Johnston. You know, these 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 characters. What was that like, in and around these guys?
0: Well, it was just I was most of my t- although you really all trained in together, but. Most of my time was spent in what became known down there as the Quality Street Gang, and that was Dalgleish and Vic Davidson and Paul Wilson. Boy, Tommy O'Hara, became quite friendly with, went on to play for Motherwell, Queen of the South in Motherwell. Uh, and that, so, you know, it was quite an experience. Andy Ritchie, who really made his name at Morton for various reasons, uh, played in that same team as me as well. So it was just a good, an experience, and... You know, one or two of them. Kenny Dogglish picked me up from the hotel I was staying in for training three or four times to give me a lift. And, you know, players gave you lifts into the city centre after training if you're needing a lift back. But, you know, one of the drawbacks was myself and a, a couple of Irish boys and the digs in the hotel I was in. And one of them went home homesick and the other one picked up an injury. So I spent a wee bit of time on my own in Glasgow as well, which, you know, I'm not saying it, it didn't seem to bother me too much at the time but maybe it did take it's toll over that a period of time when you're just a young lad like that Glasgow's at Glasgow's a big city yeah,
1: yeah. you returned from uh, celtic and that trial back to minister so I'm interested to to kind of get your your memories of well really a, a number of things um in terms of you know for me as a as an incomer to the area um been to Clark Park several times over the years, and I'm always, you know, always kind of chuckle when, when we passed, uh, you know, the old Telfer Street ground, and there's obviously Lidl and Aldi or whatever it is over there now and stuff. And and Kingsmills Park's always intrigued me because, well, first of all, I wanted to know the where the layout was, and I, I now know exactly where the stadium was, etc. There are two grounds, as I mentioned there, that have long since gone. What are your memories of Kingsmills Park over the the years? Obviously, you've had many different emotions, uh, and yeah. in that, in that ground—it's a ground that you first visited as a as a kid, um, and you play your last game there as well. It's a ground that you no know, doubt has a, a special place in your heart. But what are your main memories of the the ground itself? Um, I like think the playing
0: surface was always one of the best in the league, and a lot of people say that, but it genuinely it genuinely was. You know, we're, Thistle were really fortunate over the years to have some really good and caring groundsmen that that put a lot of work into it, and they prided them, you know, prided themselves on the state of the park. That's why I think everybody was a wee bit disappointed when the the, the notorious Falkirk game was put off twenty nine times. You know it because the weather was such. It, it nothing really to do, well, of course, it had to do with the condition of the park, but it wasn't the fact the fact the park had. The park had been uh, neglected in any way. But what didn't help, and it's maybe changing the subject a wee bit, but what didn't help was remember somebody suggested to Jock McDonald that maybe he should put some braziers on the pitch to try and throw, throw the frost out. There was about six or seven braziers put on the pitch and set alight. And we played Forest Mechanics on a friendly on it. And by the time it was finished, it was more like a swimming pool than an ice rink. And there was water everywhere. And I think that for it, Maybe about four or five of the times that the game was put off, it was put off because it was waterlogged, it wasn't put off because it was frozen. It was actually quite dangerous. So there was that. And I think the dressing rooms were never, were never the best, you know? They were, the, I wouldn't have liked to have gone into the away dressing room at Jags Park. You know, when you go there as a young boy to begin with, you would, you know, you were training in there, and it was pretty Spartan, you know, to be honest. But it, that was probably deliberate to make sure that the away team didn't feel too comfortable coming in. Um, But I think, you know, the thing that the crap at the Thistle Park, they talked about it at the at the Clough Park as well, and I know there was, you know, things went on there with uh, Marbles chasing, you know. T- Running, sprinting against the foot at half time and things like that. Um, but you know the, some of the crap that came out of the halfway line in the Thistle Park was where the you know the hardcore support was, was was absolutely priceless. You know, a number of my friends stood in there, people that I, that I got to know over the years that were regulars there, and some of the comments that came out were there, and it was it was a joy to play in front of, and um, you know, it was it just I think that's. It's probably just, you know, how much to enjoy. And the, the family atmosphere there was within the club as well. You know, everybody got on well. They, they still do a lot of the guys. We still meet up fairly regularly. And, and you know, it was, you know, it, it was one big, you know, pretty happy family for all, you know, it, it's, it's, some folks say, you know, people, you know, stab boys in the back and things. There was never anything like that going out going on at the Jags Park. I never, th- you know, always thought, and. You know, I think anybody that came and joined us and played for us were, for any length of time seemed to really enjoy, enjoy their time there. You know, there's still, you know, guys from Amardina I'm in touch with them on a regular basis that had come through and played. And it was funny. But it's funny you should say that, not remembering where it was. John Arnside that played for Jogs for about a season and a half back, you know, probably, but, you know, the early 1980s. John, I understand, somebody was speak to John about 10 days ago, mm-hmm. Was, he was through an information business seen Same McKingsmalls Hotel. And he walked down Kingsmalls Road to try to work out where the park had been. And he couldn't make it out. He, could, he just didn't recognize the area it was, it was from, you know, he just it, it didn't all, it just threw him away, but he couldn't understand there was a nursing home and most of the ground in a small, you know, a small development. So yeah. uh, it is, it's you're not alone in just trying to work out where it was. You,
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there is, but you know, you see when old grounds get knocked down, there's almost like a plaque you know, uh, to commemorate, you know, I know some grounds have like this, for example, here was a centre spot at X Stadium, you know. Um, I wonder if that's maybe something that, you know, just to keep, you know, in terms of this whole kind of project, that might be something uh, that might be worth thinking about. Yeah,
0: well, you know, it's certainly worth considering, you know, there is the the Broadstones there already, you know, it's, you know, even if they... You put a plaque in beside that to say that beyond this, or just you know, forty feet beyond this was the top end goal at Kingsmills Park, home of Manchester yeah. see Just, yeah. just something because if it if it was to go into the state or in near the nursing home, then it, nobody nobody goes in there unless they have oh, to. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um. so, uh, you know, that's where maybe something out on one of the walls there or something would certainly be a certainly
1: be a point. Yeah. In terms of the uh, you, you mentioned the Falkirk game. I was going to talk to you about that. I mean obviously I'm assuming you were you know getting ready for a game what 20 was it 28 29, 29 times I it was postponed yes played
0: yeah. it I was 12 29 times
1: I played in the 30th lucky lucky 30th um you've mentioned a couple of characters as, as we've gone on already um one of the ones I wanted to speak to about was a, a guy who um, you know when you speak to people about them you know their their face will, will light up and they've always got a story about jock Macdonald um mm. it, you know from from not knowing him and, and hearing lots of stories it, i suppose the character maybe an overused word but it certainly fits the bill with jock Macdonald
0: oh yeah um <laughs> um he was at a man Argue with really? <laughs> well, nobody argued with Joe. Joe always won. In any case, but um, no, he was always very fair to me. Um, well, whether, whether it was fair to me or not, I don't know. You know, I know. I know a couple of clubs that come in were interested in seeing me, and other Highland League clubs wanting to take me at one point, but they didn't get very far with Jock. But it's only about three years after the event did you find out from them that these clubs had shown and Remember that and remember this. And and you know, he did. He, he ran. He ran it as best he could, but. You know, um, you know, they, they they started off when they when they Jock struggled a bit when they introduced the no smoking ban and the buses, because going to away games we have found a way to start leaving about an hour earlier going to some away games so that Jock could have a couple of stops to be able to go out and enjoy a cigar it's, it's in the way down, you know, so and the way to games, so, so, uh, but you know, he, he was certainly I had no real complaints about him, you know, he was, he's. I felt I could talk, to, you know. I felt I could talk to him. You couldn't argue with him, but you could talk to him. And if he didn't agree with you, he just would walk away from it. You know, it's just and but But um, yeah, it just he didn't he didn't like getting beat. You know, the social club after the game as well. The pool table was his domain, uh, and I think quite often he just made up the rules as he went along to make sure that he was on the pool table for as long as he could be. So, but uh, he was he was a great servant of football. I'm sure without Jock's influence that Inverness may have struggled to get a team into the Scottish League. Um, I think he managed it. you know, he, he was pretty influential and in laterally within the SFA, and he managed to get three or four sort of bigger clubs to, to support the application. And I'm, I'm sure without him, we may well have struggled, because is, I'm sure, central belt teams, teams from the south of Scotland, always kind of were reluctant to come this far north. Um, you know, it's it seems that the A9 is three times mm-hmm. longer travelling from the south of Scotland or from the central belt than it is travelling from Inverness and going south. Yeah. And um, you know, and it's fair play that ourselves and Ross County have managed to, you know, it's it still attract players into this area. And once you get guys up here, then they'll love it and they tend to stay, you
1: know. You um well, you mentioned, we're going to talk about the merger right enough uh, later on, but you, when you start out as an Inverness Thistle player, Inverness Thistle almost got into the leagues. They missed out by a vote to, uh, for anti Thistle uh, right. in Edinburgh. So, you know, it could be a very, very different situation. Uh, but of course, we all know that <clears throat> what happened in, in years to come. When you mentioned there about bigger sides coming north, Inverness Thistle into the 80s then had a, you went on this fantastic cup run um, during the midweeks yeah. as well, and, and put Kilmarnock to the sword at Kingsmills Park uh, before setting up a, a real mouthwatering uh, trip to, to Celtic Park. And of course, we've already talked about your connections with that club. Um, in terms of Kilmarnock first and foremost, you know Comarnic are of course a you know a household name in, in, in Scottish football. Uh, talk to us about that day and putting them to the sword because that was a that's a big day in North football. Yeah. Um... I think finally, we kind of fancied
0: our chances. They were struggling at the time, but we were struggling. We were sitting second or third of the Highland We at the time. Uh, a lot of that was because off-cap commitments would probably have played fewer fixtures than a number of the teams for us. But I think we'd only won one game at home all season, one or two games at home all season before that. But the week, we, because of the way the weather worked, we played Spartans at home one Saturday. Uh, and I equalised late on the force Force I replay down in Edinburgh the following Saturday. Went down there, we won 2-1, and came back up the road. And the way back, we stopped at St. Johnston Social Club for about tea and a pint. And Kilmarnock had played St. Johnston that day, and some of the St. Johnston fans were in, and they were saying, You'll beat them. They're not they're no great shakes, you've got every chance. So we sort of felt we had a bit of chance and then the way the pitch was on the day, it was it, it was a glorious day, but it was frozen hard, it was solid, it was flat, but it was solid. One or two of the Kilmarnock players turned up with you know inappropriate footwear, should we say. So we thought, well, oh, we kind of fancy our chances here, and we started, we didn't start particularly well, but we, we grew into the game and grew into the game, and you know, when I put us ahead just not, not that long before half-time, I forced a, a ball over the line, and The longer the game went, Leslie Fridge was playing in goal. He had a couple of reasonable saves, but they didn't create very much. And then as they threw boys forward near the end, we picked them off a bit. We played good football, picked them off. And it was 3-0, comfortably. Um, And at that point, we knew where we were going the following week. Um, So, you know, we had a bit of of celebration. uh, But that was the game the Kilmarnock fans turned on their then manager Eddie Morrison as well. We were kept in the changing room at Thistle Park until a good three quarters of an hour after the game had finished. Before the police didn't want us out because of the number of Kilmarnock fans that had gathered at the at the back of the stand. Luckily, there was a couple of tins about, so we weren't too bad. Too bad, but so we thought. Well, but it meant the following week was you know we went go to at Park the following Saturday and the week was kind of lost. You know, it just because of the press interest as well, we we hardly trained, which probably wasn't such a bad thing because the pitch was, you know, the pitch was it was hard, hard frost for the whole of that week. The pitch wasn't, you know, it was solid, it was limited to what we could do anyway. There was press all over the place. And it was just, it was a bit, it was a bit surreal when we went down and a school friend of mine managed the Central Hotel in Glasgow at the time, John Peach. The family were from Charles Street. And he got in touch with the club and offered, offered us accommodation for, well, for the two nights, for the Friday and the Saturday nights. So, you know, we got that thrown in as well. So we were getting treated like treated a bit like lords as well. Yeah. You know, it was just it was a period in the big time. And Jock arranged for us to go out to see Hamden in the morning and at lesser Hamden, just just for a wee warm-up, if you want. So we just kicked the ball about Lesser Hamden for about 20 minutes and then went back and, you know, out onto the park at Celtic Park and just took the game as it came. But, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was any dreams we had of knocking them out sort of finished. Well, not quite quickly, you know. We'd, Jim Oliver had a chance at 0-0 that uh, you maybe should have hit the target with, would have maybe set the... Set the uh, Sort of the, the Thistle support that day, totally mental. They were very good anyway, and there was a good crowd went down and followed us. But you know,
1: if we'd gone one go up, then you never know what would have happened. Yeah, yeah that was the thought. He screwed it wide of the keeper's right hand post. I watched the highlights oh, last right, night. Uh, um, just to, I mean, just to, I, I've obviously seen the, the game before, but um, it, it's a brilliant watch if you get a chance to, obviously, not you know. Wasn't the great outcome, but, you know, just for, for pure football nostalgia, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of big names on display for Celtic that day as well. Mo Johnston, Paul McStay, Willie McStay's in there as well. Peter Latchford's in goals. Uh, Peter Grant's playing there as well. Uh, David Proven. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, just by reeling off those, those guys there. I mean, these are guys that are and, and were household names and, and, and Scottish football, I suppose when you're playing your trade in the, in the Highland League, uh, you know, week in, week out, you know, pitting your wits against these guys as well, you know, that's obviously something that, you know, you were looking forward to and no doubt we'll, we'll look back on uh, with, you know, fondness that you've played against these guys.
0: Well, that's that's right, Ian, and, you know, we, we certainly didn't disgrace ourselves, we, you know, at no point did we get to the stage where, you know, we started taking bodies or anything like that, it, it, we still took to play our way out of it, in fact, it was, it was 4 nothing till you know, about five minutes to go, and we lost two goals the last, you know, in the last, well, just about five, six minutes, which sort of... Four nothing seems quite reasonable. Six seems as if it was a right doing, and we did. But I think pretty well. We defended pretty well that day, and tried to knock the ball about a wee bit and played. So you know, it was a great experience. The crowd, the crowd that day, the Celtic fans gave us an ovation going off the park as well. You know, because you know they appreciated. I think that we didn't turn it into, you know, what could have been a, you know, a, well. Just a battle, I suppose, but we still tried to play But uh, you know, it was great with another with a night out in with a night out in Glasgow afterwards as well. And two or three of the Celtic supporters knew who we were Celtic players knew where we were staying and you know came along to see us. You know, well, Dom Sullivan, who didn't play that day, he was one that came in about and just to congratulate us for the way the game had gone and that, you know. So.
1: Oh, that's, uh, that's it was quite good, you know, it was good. It was an experience they in terms of that's mid um mid 80s uh, i think celtic actually came up to to, to kingswell's park the, the season after but the, the season i want to talk to you about is that the last if you like um league title for inverness 86 87 mm-hmm. uh, again you've you, we've, we've talked already you've got a league winners medal in your back pocket is a is a as a youngster coming through um but this time you're captain um and then that must be uh, it must have been the 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 ultimate honour uh, to captain your side to the to the league title in eighty six yeah. eighty seven. Talk to us about that season because, uh, Inverness, you know Thistle and Cali uh, were battling it out, but Inverness, Thistle came out on top that year. Yeah, um, well, what you know,
0: just? I think we we started we we didn't start the season particularly well. I think we 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 picked up wins, but I think after three league game uh, uh, after four league games, we'd won two and drawn two. Um but uh one of the turning points, and it it's no maybe, you know, it's not made to be disrespectful. Billy Nielsen start Billy Tanya Nielsen started the season in goal and he'd lost a couple of soft goals and he took a chance and stuck a boy Calder from Granton in goal, who'd been prior to that playing his trade as a as a striker. Uh, and and he had played a bit, Jim, and goal, and he played and I th- it, it sort of turned that you know, whether it was just coincidence or whether Jim made that much of a difference, I don't, maybe doing him a disservice, but, I'm sure, but we went on a run after that, where we won 12 or 13 games consecutively. A um, couple of di- real difficult ones within that, you know, we got a, we, we played Cali twice late on, but before that, Forrest were the defending champions, we went to Forest and, and won 3-0, I think, and it was a really good performance. And we went to went to Keith and won. We won a game at home to Keith that was, Keith battered us for a while that week in that, in that game and scored late on through Mike Noble to win one nothing. It, it was just things, the number of times we came back from a goal down that season or from a couple of goals down to win, both in league games and cap games, was incredible. Until it all came down, I think we were playing Cali twice in about the last five games. We beat them 2 one at the Thistle Park and drew at the Cali Park. And that sort of meant, I think, we had we just did beat. We were we were going to Huntley and we drew at Huntley. And we found out, and for all people to tell us, that the Cali had been beaten at home by, I think, maybe Keith, was Davy Love, when he was still reporting at that time. And Davy, a great Cali man, and came in and told us. That, we'd we'd come close to scoring late on in that game. And if we if one of those shots had gone in, we would have been league champions that, that night, just under it on the back of the of the calories out. So we ended up playing Peter Head at home. I think it was either a Monday night or a Tuesday night, uh, following that Huntley game. Really just we didn't avoid I think we needed just to just avoid defeat to win the league. Um and we were brilliant that night. Charlie Christie ran the show. Uh, we went one up, but I don't think they'd had a kick of the ball, we went one up, and then they equalised from a free kick. But we just, it, it was three, it, it was four-one going on, six or seven that night, we were tremendous. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the trophy was there, and I was lucky enough, asked to be presented with it. And that was it. We ended up going back to Peterhead the following Saturday, just to avoid defeat, to go through the season undefeated. Uh, and again, we, you know, we played pretty well, about eight minutes to go. Peterhead Peter scored a goal. The boy Gary who played for Peterhead, played for Hanley, played for Keith, I think. Gary, Gary scored from inside the book. We'd given the ball away in a, in a position. we tried try to play too much football at times. We missed a couple of chances. Uh, and it kind of did, you know, with, with five minutes to go, to lose the goal, it kind of deflated us. And we lost we lost another goal right at the end, you know, but I think that that was one big, big disappointment the whole season is we didn't manage to go through the whole thing undefeated, uh, which would have matched, you know, what other teams have managed. Well, did before, Cali had done it before. It would have been just nice to give us credit for, credit for, you know, the performance that we put in over the course of the season.
1: Nonetheless, uh, still a fantastic achievement as well. Um, no doubt, you know, Uh, the celebration you know I I always love hearing these are the moments that you you play football for and you're involved in football as the celebrations can you remember the celebrations after that uh, league title where did you go who was there what was happening
0: right Uh, (laughs) I can I can uh, well we ended up down we got a drink in the dressing we ended up down the Thistle Club but at that time Dillinger's was still on the go and uh, upstairs in the old Queensgate Hotel and Rab Mulherton Who's known as, oh, I think was manager or whatever of that time. So we we were invited in there. The Highland League trophy was in the middle of the floor and people dancing around it the middle of Dillinger's dance floor. In the, or I think it was probably called Dillinger's at the time, middle of there. So that was it. But uh, the following morning, the Highland League championship tri- trophy was missing. But it was in my house. I had it. Came up the road with Craig McLean. We took it home. And I, Craig says, well, I says, Craig, no, you take it. You look after it. says, no, you take it home. So I ended up having, I would go into work the following morning for about half past eight, you know, it was hardly in my bed. But the only trophy was in the job centre in the high street for anybody to see till about lunchtime on the day after the game as well. So uh, it was, um, it was a night, to, it was a night to remember and considering we drank as much, I'm to remember most of it, Ian, as well, you know. So Aye, it's, well, that's a,
1: that's, a, that's a good That's scene. one thing
0: about Highland league teams and teams from Inverness, they know how to celebrate wins, that's for sure.
1: And it's one of those things, I mean, you, you know, moments like that, it doesn't matter how much alcohol you can take on boards, you know, some, some folk are can I remember it all, uh, which is which is brilliant too. Yeah. Um, you, you've you mentioned, you know, them a couple of times, obviously, you know, Cali, Caledonian FC, uh, you know, there's many, uh, many a battle you've had with them. I mean, you know, in the cold light of day, which is which is brilliant. There's that kind of real good uh, spirit between ex players and, and things like that. You know, there's a real kind of there's, there's a lot of players who've played for both. Uh, and mm-hmm. in fact, there's players who've played for all three clubs in the area as yeah. well, and include Clack in this as well. In terms mm-hmm. of Inverness derbies, what what's the what's the derby that sticks out in your memory?
0: Oh, probably. We won We won the North Cup at the Clough Park. We beat Cali, one nothing. It was the first time Thistle had won it for 20-odd years. Um, Dennis Bruce scored the goal. Dennis Bruce had been with Elgin and was drafted in. Again, Judds had injuries. Dennis came, played for a season and a bit. Dennis scored the goal. Um, Cali were on a real round of thing. I think they were undefeated at the time, and we took a bit of at times we took a wee bit of battling from them that day as well, but we managed to hold on hold on, defended really well. Dennis scored midway through the second half. And you know, we, we killed the game after that we killed the game and did it really well with we quite a bit of experience in the side then. You know, Roshi Fraser and Bobby McLean. You know, myself was getting more experience then as well, but Dennis Crusat France So that's probably one that I remember. My biggest regret. I never won a league game at the Cully Park, and all the years I played for Thistle, I never won a league game at the Cully Park. Won my fair share of cap ties, but never won a league game there. Okay, right.
1: But yeah, cup. You won cup games, so but as aye, yeah. It's. Uh, I was going to say that there's a uh, yeah cup cup games are the consolation, and unless you beat them to league titles, so there's always that uh, that you can have over them as well. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned it a couple of times and it's going to be a, a, a common uh, word used through most of these podcasts, the merger. Um, mm-hmm. When did you first hear, you know, when, when did you first hear about the merger? Um, well, I was probably in a wee bit of fortunate
0: position at Thistle Park and, you know, because being been team captain and that was involved. Well, wasn't involved too much, but I was... You know sort of, well, probably wasn't kept up to date because obviously there would have been things going on that I wasn't aware of but probably quite early on in the final season um fact I, I was at the stage I was thinking of hauling up my boots of the 37 at the time yeah, and I thought well maybe but then I sort of was given the nod but look this the way things are going and it wasn't just from the terms of the merger but the way things were going financially with this all at the time mm-hmm. you may not have been on the go for very much longer. Um, so you know, I, I was kind of asked, "Look, can you see this season coming up out, and we'll see what happens from there?" Yeah. Um So we knew it was coming. Can't say I was in favour of, of it
1: um,
0: to begin with, uh, until it became more and more apparent that without something happening, um, Thistle might not be able to continue, and you know, in its form within the Hagan League, anyway. Yes, such was the financial situation. Because little did they know at the time, but through, they were always under the impression that Kirk owned the park and Thistle were there as tenants. It wasn't until after the merger was complete and that it became apparent that Thistle did, in fact, hold the dues to the, 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 the bits for the park. So it probably would have improved their financial position because they would have. You know, in, in, increase their you know ability to access loans and things like that. I'm sure, but um, but by then it had probably gone too far. Um, it got it got the stage where I'd, I'd accept it for what it was and I think. I, I, I was fortunate enough to I, I was offered I was offered the chance to go to Dungloe, Ross County, to play up there for a season because Bobby. Was, Wilson was looking for Johnson. They also had picked up a bad injury. He was looking for a bit of experience to pay for the season. So Jock, we got to hear about it. And Jock says, no, hold on, hold on. Don't do anything at the moment. He says, I think Sergey Peltacar is going to phone you. So Sergey did and um, offered me a job coaching. What I thought at the time was going to be coaching first demand, but bit involved in the second team. That's not quite the way that worked out. But, um yeah you know, so... You know, so I went back to Bobby and I said, Well, look, Bobby, I've been offered a job there with a the new team. So, you know, I don't, at the age of 37, 38, I don't know how we would get on playing in the third division Scottish football either. But, and Bobby knew exactly where I was coming from. So I turned out, you know, I turned that down. So I got, you know, I was sort of made aware there was things that there was things going on. Then there was the whole thing over the, the legal action that was taken by, official support to try and stop the whole thing going on and the whole thing just seemed it became a it was like a soap opera in the end and I think just it just it meant that we, we ended up playing out the season in a bit of you know we weren't we won the Inverness Cup funnily enough but we, we didn't really compete particularly well either, otherwise within that season it, it became it was like it was like a long lingo long lingering illness or something you know it just Seemed to just, you know, it just wasn't right. And when it came to the final day, it just it it was surreal. It was it was really really strange. Um, you know, the, even the crowd that turned out in the day wasn't as big as I thought it might have been, and just the whole thing was, you know, the the rebels had already sort of well, I think they went to the game, but you know, they'd already sort of decided that, you know, it it was over, and it it was just. It went we went out with a winter rather than a bang, which was regret and regrettable,
1: I think. You know. You know, that that last day must have been you know strange. I mean, teams move stadiums, you know, teams uh, relocate and, and 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 things like that, and fans accept it, but you know, and, and certainly teams fold and teams disappear. We've seen that over the last years, but but you don't always get that kind of that final. Farewell, if you like. That must have been such a surreal experience, knowing that you're for yourself. This is the last time you know you're pulled on a shirt, walk out here, and effectively, once you walk out of that stadium, that's that's the last time you'll you know you'll you'll ever be there. It's it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a strange strange feeling.
0: Aye, uh, and you know to to make it worse, you know the, the park part was 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 lying there sort of unused for a short period of time, and then there was this, the the fire that destroyed the grandstand as well, and that was you know. It just, it's just little things like that. It wasn't, it it wasn't a nice period. And I'm sure the guys that that played for Cali at the time felt the same, you know, about the Cali part. We were fortunate, I suppose, that we got to play our last game at home. You know, they ended up going away at Huntley to play their last game. So, you know, it would have been hard for them as well, I'm
1: sure. Just on a kind of personal point, obviously you spent, what, 22 years there as a player. um, I read that your dad it was kind of instrumental in uh, you know installing the the floodlights. He was a, an electrician. Yeah. So there's a whole there's a, a a massive tie to that place as well. It must have been you know a, a, again a bit of a, a, a sad day to to leave to see that uh, ground. Uh, you know your time there come to an end. If you like.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think, and I said at the time I was quoting the press, and it, it, it's a bit. It sounds a bit twee, but it was like it was like going to a funeral. It was like a death in the family, to an extent, you know. It just, you know, it was like something was getting taken away from you. You weren't going to be able to get back, and it it, it just was, you know. I think there was there was a t- there was a tear shedding. We'll see you that much, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm
0: sure I wasn't the only one.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah can on both sides as well i suppose you know, there's yeah. Oh, and, and yeah, you know
0: yeah because you know the, the, you know it's
1: there's guys you know that,
0: that, that were at the Cali Park for a long period of time that you know they were in the same situation
1: going into the the new era if you like in 1994 uh, Caledonian thistle as it was then uh, and you mentioned there you were part of the the coaching staff assistant to uh, Sergey Baltaccia, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, just on that, that emotional tie you had with, with Kings Mills, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier about not winning a league game at, at, um, at Telford Street. And here yep. you are, you know, at the end of the For summer, she, yeah. having to call this place home, if you like, it's a, you know, such <laughs> a strange, strange situation.
0: Yeah, to be said generally, you know, and you, the guys, the vast majority over there, people over there, anyway. And I met Sergey a couple of times, and you know, absolute gentleman. But you know, it's not it, it was all right. That it, it was quite heavily weighted from the Cali side in terms of the playing staff and that the coaching staff. There was, you know, Jim Calder went over, young Stephen McDon McDonald went over, um. And am myself, but I took two or three sort of younger experienced guys over from the Thistle Park as well, just you know, I'd spoken to Sergey about it and we didn't know how things were going to work out really in the North Cali League and thought we'd well, better take just a wee bit of experience that we'd play it regularly that with no real expectations of going and playing first team football there either so, you know, Kevin Sweeney and Martin Murphy came over with me and so it meant with, you know, you were surrounded by folk you were familiar with and you know, it's like guys like Tommy Cumming, I knew, I knew anyway, you know, a family friend as well as the Cali groundsman. So, yeah. you know, th- 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 from that point of view, it, it it was it was okay, you know. It was, um, I don't know if everybody got treated as well as I did, maybe, but you know, mostly of think we're fine. But, you know, there's you know players that came in new that hadn't played for their club as well, and I think that was important. That you know they they were coming in boys like Ian Stewart and. And um, you know, Brian Thompson, guys like that, that you know, although they played Highland League, they hadn't played for either of the Inverness teams, so they'd no loyalties, you know, either way. So, you know, and I think that helped a bit as well to foundations of the new
1: club. So, so. and how uh, was that ten. first season? Because that, that is Inverness, if you like, in terms of the city of Inverness with its, with its own mm. senior side and in the, in the Scottish senior setup. Now, as we all know, we mentioned, of course, you know, the central belt teams and still are reluctant mm-hmm. to, to come north and, you, you know, you think they were travelling to the end of the earth. But mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, for a guy like yourself who's played Highland League and yeah, obviously there's a few uh, big trips in there, right enough, don't, don't get me wrong. But in terms of that, you know, that familiarity in terms of that, you know, you know your own patch, you know exactly what's mm-hmm. through east. Um, but then you're, you're faced with, you know, teams in the Central Belt. You know, the 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 glamorous uh, sorts of East Stirlingshire and and, and teams like that, Hope <laughs> Bridge and things. You know, in terms of how did you enjoy, how did you adjust to that uh, that that new surroundings?
0: Well, I would, you know, I travelled with it. I travelled with the first, but I spent most of the, most of my time with the with the second team, which right, okay. is it really what I thought I was signing up for, but it's just the way it panned out in the end, but. So, you know, I was, I was going to places like Holkirk and Invergordon and Alness rather than, uh, and team rather than going down there. But if the second team weren't playing, then I did travel with the first team. Traveled some midweek games as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we go down to places like Cowdenbeath. Funnily enough, we, were down, we went down to Cowdenbeath on, I think it was Boxing Day. Not first. If it wasn't Boxing Day, it was the 27th. And um, Willie Callaghan, who played for Thistle when Jim Leishman was manager, was playing for Cowdenbeath at the time. And at the end of the game, um, Willie had organised Tim beer in that for the Cali Thistle players. It's not something they normally did at that level, whether it be Christmas or not. You know, there's no, within the Highland League, there's always this camaraderie and meeting up with players and social clubs and that after games. And, you know, the home club usually puts on, or did in my time, put on sandwiches and things like that for the visiting team and you would get a pint or whatever. There was that sort of crap went on. That didn't seem to go on in the Scottish League. And Willie had loved that when he was up in Inverness. So the and Beef boys quite took to it as well for a while. This is a great idea. We should be doing this, something like this more often so you know it's you know there was good things going but I played you ma- you mentioned East Sterling there and it played at East Stirling in the Scottish Cup for Thistle the dressing room was so small we could put the hamper out before we started getting changed there wasn't yeah. enough room to get changed in the changing room with a hamper in it at the same time it was you know ridiculous and there was Callie Thistle being you know having to fight to you know facility, you know, to make sure the facilities were all right, I had to jump through all sorts of hoops before they were admitted into the Scottish League, you know, it just didn't, it didn't make much sense to us but hey, oh, that's Scottish football for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and again, you mentioned a ground there that's no longer uh, with mm-hmm. us but uh, by the sounds of it, it's uh, a ground that um, is best forgotten about. Uh, well, yeah, was it wasn't like a glamour, one, was it First Park? No, it was... <laughs> I think it's better than Cowdenbeath, to be honest. <laughs> and that's saying something.
0: Stock car trap and the, the Greyhound and things like that. But ugh, just it is. And yet there's some there's some old grounds there, you know, that are still traditional grounds that are great. To watch. That's I like going watch games at Tynecastle. Castle. I think Tyne Castle's got a great atmosphere, you know. It's not a hearts man, but it's all enclosed and you're right on top of the game. And, you know, it's not like the new Hamden now where you're, you know, miles away from the action. I think that... Detracts a wee bit from
1: the enjoyment, I think. Now I know that you you go on, uh, you move on to have a, a, a spells elsewhere after uh, leaving the, the new Inverness, well, mm-hmm. Caledonian Thistle, then to become Inverness Caledonian Thistle. But you're still heavily involved with the club. You're a keen supporter of the club as well. I've seen you at many games over the years, um, mm. and and I suppose you know it, it's almost that that the hindsight approach. You know, back in you know, you mentioned there about the, the merger, and there still are a lot of people who you know uh, have ill feelings towards it, and, and of mm-hmm. course they're, they're entitled to that to that opinion. But you know, fast forward, uh, you know, ten years from nineteen ninety four, and, and John Robertson takes Inverness Cali Thistle into the, the top flight, and you know, mm-hmm. what have you made of, of the, the journey, if you like, of, of Inverness Caledonian Thistle over the uh, the last uh, twenty five years plus?
0: Well, you know, I, th- I think it's it, it's been really incredible. I think to get from where we started to be playing Premier League football within, what, eight, nine years was, you know, a huge achievement. And I think, you know, the managers that have been through the, the club's gates, you know, have contributed greatly to that. And probably no one, you know, more so than John, you know, he was instrumental in being involved with Donald Park and getting the club up in the first place and just, keeping it going and keeping it competitive at the time. I think it's it's tremendous that we've managed to achieve. And, you know, the big regret, you know, is, you know, the crowds turn out when you get to cap finals. Um, And, OK, there is always a a spin-off from that. But I still think that, you know, there's... The scope is there and you know people are people are reluctant just seem to be reluctant to, to go down. And I can't really understand it. You know, they, they want to take the glory when it's there, but you know, it's I can understand people not going down to the to the stadium on a on a cold, wet Tuesday night in the middle of December, but even you get the start of the season when the weather's decent, how are the crowds are not coming out to it? and you can't really use the location of the stadium as an excuse. It's
1: you know, it is, you know, it is. Reasonably accessible, to be honest. Yeah, and and Inverness so. is getting but, uh, I, bigger by the second. So you know the stadium in a, in a, in a you know it, it's not of course the stadium feels like it's closer to the city centre now if that if that makes any sense because the yeah, city's yeah. getting bigger.
0: Well, that, that's yeah. I think I think you're exactly right. You know, for those that are fit enough to do it, it's about a twenty minute walk from the city centre. There's buses running. You know, there's there's ways round it. Yeah.
1: But in terms of you know, you that experience of of going along and, and watching, I know that you are heavily involved in, in in thistle. Um, and as we touched on right at the start, of course, Inverness Cali Thistle have now paid a, a nod, if you like, more more of a nod to, to Inverness Thistle mm-hmm. and their, and their mm-hmm. roots, if you like. But in terms of that, that enjoyment of of sitting there and, and watching Inverness Cali Thistle over the years, watch your, I mean, Scottish Cup, obviously, Europe, those are the kind of big moments, but What's been your highlight of of watching Ivor this
0: Thistle? Well, obviously the cap the cap win. I w- I wasn't fortunate enough to be down at uh, to be down at Parkhead when Celtic Park when we not Celtic out the Scottish cap. I was uh, otherwise involved in for William at the time, but and um, you know I wasn't fortunate enough to go down there. But certainly the Scottish Cap to the Scottish Cap win, and I think the other one is when we first achieved promotion to the Premier League. Um, you know, the day that you know it was all it was all settled at the county. it was against St. Johnson, I think, if I'm if I recall right. And yes, that's right. Um, yep. you know, it's just it, it just it was, you know, it was another kind of tear-in-the-eye moment to go on from where we had been. And and through all you know, all the trials and tribulations that you know, individuals, likes of Jock like McDonald and Jimmy Faulkner, guys that had been there for a long time had to go through to get us to that level. I think. It was, um, you know, great recognition for them as well. Um, but and you know, I think the signs the signs look pretty pretty good. I think there's a, there's a team in place for the new season now that looks as if it's going to be capable of challenging again. Uh, it's always going to be a challenge financially at the moment, yeah. just with everything that's going on. Uh, and just you know, just as as long as we're competing, is I think if if we finish. Yeah. And I think the way that the playoff system operates is loaded too far, too heavily in favour of the premiership team. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But you know, I would like to think we can put ourselves in a position we can we can challenge to go right at. Well, we we'll just have to wait and see if we can get off to a good start, win games, and not go through a mid-season slump again. Then we'll be in by a good shout
1: this year of going back at. Yeah, fingers crossed. I do believe, Callie, this will have got a real good chance uh, this mm-hmm. year. Before you go, David, you, you kind of touched on it earlier. We're desperate to hear your, your goalkeeping story. Well, uh,
0: the season the season we won the league, we ended up through at Fraserborough and a horrendous day, as most days in Fraserborough in the middle of December are. And uh, Jim Calder was playing in goals and it was blowing an absolute pulley. And we were four up at half-time. Uh, Brian Thompson was playing for Fraserburgh, but Jim, I think the, the, the assistant referee, shall we say, was doing his best to try and uh, maybe let Fraserburgh back into it because he, he penalised Jim for carrying the ball outside the box and was kicking the ball out. You know, or playing into the playing into the wind at this point, and Jim just tried to steal an extra couple of feet. But you see, goalkeepers seem to do it regularly nowadays and get away with it. But this. Jobsworth flags, there was a free kick given, the free kit was free kit was charged down and we went at the other end part. So the wall goes back to Jim again. So Jim hoofs it down the park from well inside, from about a six-yard line he picked it up and hoofed it down the park, turned the linesman and said, I hope that's effing far enough inside the box for you this time. So the linesman of course flags him, calls the referee over and sends Jim off. So eh, We're getting getting organized, right? Who's going right? So I grabbed the jersey because I'd done it two or three times before. I just assumed it was going to be me. Brian Black says, I don't know if that's a good idea. Maybe it would be better leaving you. Just you get you and Mike Andrew, just win the ball in there and get down the park. Who wants to go on goals? So John, Bain, Bino, I'll go in. I'll go in. Right. Okay. Oh, I've played in goals before. I've played in goals before. This is right. Okay. So First thing he does, he goes in goals, and he stands. He's got the ball in his hands. The, the, knock the ball back and give him a feel of the ball. He's got the ball in his hands. And we sort of cleared out of the box. And defence cleared out of the box. And he started shouting down the whole length of the park. I was only joking. I've never played in goals before. He says, what do I do now? Well, just... So at that point, Fraser Burr just started shooting from everywhere. And to be fair, he got away with it. He lost one goal, but he got away with it. And we won 4-1. But he was just... That that's John Bean, you know. It's like yo, Sir Hughes. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. But he just away with it. Um, and that that was him. So that was so that was Jimmy. So the next thing later on the same season, Billy Nielsen was playing in goals. Jim was injured, and Billy hurt himself. And John Bean again picked up the shirt to go in goals, and Brian <laughs> ran across, ran onto the pitch, ran across, grabbed the jumper off him. Threw it to me and says, "No, no, B-no, We saw you at Fraserburgh. You're not getting in goals again." So I stuck. I got myself stuck in goals again, man. So that's uh, that's that's the story about John being in goalkeeping. So and goalkeeping. And you claim the, to have played in goals for Jags before, but uh, I suppose he did then.
1: And at the end, what was the final score in both those games? But the one that John well, was involved in, the one you were involved in.
0: Well, we did the, the final. The final score at Fraserburgh was we one, four, one. Oh, and the okay. this game. I think it finished. I didn't lose a goal, and the, the times I played in goals that season was two or three. I didn't lose a goal. I think it was 2 2 when Kanye when went to goal offer and it, it finished 2 2. So eh, I did quite a good way. I can't say the same for where I ended up in goals at the Cali Park. I lost three or four that night, but eh, <laughs> that's another story. What
1: And goals for Thistle at uh, Cali Park. Against, against Cali in the dark Cali uh,
0: and Inverness captory I think it was and Billy, Niel- Billy Nielsen was sent off that night so I ended up in goals that night as well
1: but beat 7-1 oh jeez right okay right we'll, we'll gloss over that I'll gloss <laughs> over that one <laughs> um, so so goalkeeper uh, defender striker uh, Davy um, you've done it all for Inverness so <laughs> and uh, and yeah it's been brilliant uh, looking back over over that um, you know period of, of your life and and hopefully i mean you've shared a lot of stories and a lot of memories there's a lot of names in there that will no doubt that'll that'll um, that will spur others on to reminisce and 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 they'll remember things of you know that they've uh, they've watched and, and, and been involved in and no doubt people will be talking and and and, and thinking back and, and reminiscing in a good way about uh, some of those memories. And uh, Davey, it's been brilliant to to have you uh, from, w- with me this evening. And I really appreciate you, you giving your time uh, to chat and, and also to share, you know, your stories and your memories. So thank you very much. I think, you know, this whole project
0: that's going on here is really, really useful, you know, and um, I think that it's it's becoming, you know, even the, the tie-in with the dementia sufferers and association there, I think it's really good. And it's important that, if people are in a position they're fortunate enough like myself to have that sort of memory and can have this sort of chat that, you know, they we we make themselves available to the likes of yourself to have these, because there's plenty of other guys out there that have got stories to tell, you know, I think uh, I better, I better mention my big mate, Bully Urquhart. He'll be, you will be worried. He'll be worried if I don't slip them into the conversation at some point, but yeah, you know, I don't know if you've spoken to Bully yet, but it's the sort of thing he's got. He's got stories as well from the Cali point of view that are, that are you know really good and Billy was fortunate enough to play a couple of games for Cali Thistle as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So no, don't worry about uh Billy is, is on the on the radar. He's on the agenda, is he? Yes, so uh we'll You're get him plenty uh, notice, though we'll yeah. We'll get he
0: keeps saying,
1: yeah. We'll get Billy on at some point, don't worry about that. Um maybe <laughs> once again, mate, thanks very much for your time and no um, thanks no for speaking to me.
0: No, I enjoyed it, Ian. Thanks very much.
1: Well, a massive thank you to Davey Milroy for sparing some time to talk to us about his career uh, this evening. You can find out more about the Inverness Football Memories Project. They have a website full of stories, archive material and more. It's ambarry.org.uk. I'll spell that for you. It's A-M for Mike, B-A-I-L-E.org.uk or simply head to Google and type in Inverness Football Memories. Well, Davy Mulroy needn't worry too much because Billy Urquhart is right round the corner. He's on episode five of the Inverness Football Memories podcast next week. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.